0: I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Colossians chapter four. As you turn there, I, uh, by way of illustration, I, I'm reminded of something that uh, that I've seen in. in uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Castaway. Have you ever heard of the movie Castaway before? With Tom Hanks, he plays this this time-conscious, he's very conscientious of his time, time-conscious FedEx employee that his, he's on this FedEx cargo plane and ends up getting uh, taken out of the sky in this really terrible storm. And he crashes into the ocean and he's the only survivor from this plane and he washes up on this deserted island. And with him wash up on the island a bunch of FedEx packages. It sounds funny, doesn't it? But... It's not funny because he's on this deserted island all by himself, and these packages begin to wash up. And he, as he looks around the island, he realizes he's going to be here for a while, and he realizes that uh, he's got to open those packages to look and see if there's something there that might help him survive, right? And as he tears into the packages, he comes across this volleyball that looks like it's probably a gift that uh, was sent from a grandmother to a grandson. And he kind of lays it it aside as useless, you know, a worthless volleyball. That's not gonna help me much and kind of tosses it aside. Later, he's, he's struggling to open a coconut and he's gouging this coconut, I think with a sharp rock or something. And he ends up gouging his hand instead. And his hand starts gushing blood, and out of anger he grabs the nearest item that he can find. It's the volley, volleyball, and he throws it. A few moments later, oh, maybe maybe quite a while later, he looks over and he sees the volleyball, and he sees on the on the volleyball what looks like a face with these funny hair, kind of like mine, you know, sticking up. And it, it's it's the impression of his bloody hand when he picked up and threw the, threw the ball. That ball becomes his companion. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. That ball like becomes his best friend in a way. He takes the ball all over the island. Everything he does, he takes the ball with him and lays it down. He talks to the ball. He yells at the ball. He argues with the ball. And At one point in the movie, he gets so furious that he takes the ball, I think he kicks it or throws it or something, into the ocean like, I'm done with you, stupid ball. You haven't helped me at all. You know. And then later, he regrets what he's done to his best friend, right? And he goes into the ocean looking for the ball and finally finds the ball and brings it back and cleans it up and, and dresses up the image of the face on the ball to try to clean it up a bit and put, put its representation back. Throughout the movie, the ball is his companion, his friend. Later, he's there on the island for several years. He finally learns the the nature of the trade winds and finds some debris and and looks at the address on the side of this. It's like a porta pot, you know, that washes up on the beach. And he takes this part of this debris and uses it as a sail. But it's got an address on the side, I think a California address or something. So he realizes he might be able to get into these trade winds and and hopefully be rescued by a shipping vessel or something. And he takes the ball with him and he takes and he and he puts it on the on the raft that he builds. And one night he falls asleep. He wakes up in the morning. The, the ball is gone. His companion, his friend is gone. And he looks and he sees it off in the distance floating away. And he dives into the water, into the ocean, to go get the ball and bring it back. And he, he, he's looking. His raft is getting further away. And the waves are starting to get bad. And the wind is taking the ball. And he, he has to give up and go back to the raft to save his own life. And he loses his his companion. He's heartbroken. He's eventually rescued. But up to that point... To me, I keep, you know, I'm reminded again and again, I keep being reminded of of the importance of companionship, right? The importance of friendship. The importance of people. To me, the the message is clear again and again throughout that that part of the movie, Anyway, that that people need other people. While we're talking about deserted islands, you and I both know that all of those people stranded on Gilligan's Island never would have survived without each other, right? Right? They survived because they had each other, right? It's a stupid TV show, isn't it? That was real, wasn't it? There is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. There is strength in companionship. There is strength in having a good, faithful friend. There is strength in numbers. I was thinking about strength in numbers, I was reminded of a time when my grandfather was pulling, the story is told me, I wasn't there, but the story has told me he was pulling a loaded hay wagon. He was a farmer, he was a factory worker, and he's a pastor. And he did all those things at the same time late in his life, saved in his 50s. My father taught his father how to be a pastor. Isn't that interesting? But on the farm one day, was pulling a loaded hay wagon and the top of his load if you've ever loaded a hay wagon or seen when you see his loaded hay wagon really high in the air the top of his hay wagon disturbed a hornet's nest and you know the strength of one hornet or two hornets not a big deal a couple of summers ago I walked out the back of the church and up to the top there was a little spot where hornets had been building a nest and one of them nailed me right in the back of the head and that made me angry you know, and it hurt for a while Um, but that was it I came back with a bottle of stuff and sprayed that thing and got that, you know, just for that one hornet. But my grandfather hay wagon disturbed a hornet's nest and the power of, I don't know, hundreds of hornets chased him down and stung him and hospitalized him for several days. My father's father nearly lost his life because of the power of numbers, right? Right. Think about grasshoppers. You know, a few grasshoppers—they're cute, they're harmless, right? Thousands of grasshoppers can wipe out an entire crop. There is strength in numbers as well when it comes to ministry. There is strength in numbers when it comes to being part of the body of Jesus Christ, the church. Companionship and teamwork among God's people is absolutely an absolute necessity for effective ministry. Companionship and teamwork and numbers, if you want to put it that way, more people working together to accomplish a common task, that is glorifying God through the delivery of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a community. We need each other. Companionship and teamwork amongst God's people is a necessity for effective ministry. Followers of Christ can make a very swift and powerful influence can make swift and powerful advances for the sake of the gospel of Christ when working in unity together. We're reminded in Hebrews chapter 10, you stay in Colossians, you can go to Hebrews chapter 10 and keep your finger in Colossians, but if you want to look at the passage with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, we're reminded that God's children are to encourage and support one another in the ministry of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 say, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, we need each other. Verse 25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. We need each other. We need the companionship of other believers. We need the numbers. We need the fellowship of other believers. I will always remember I will always remember with great admiration those who joined us in our small church our small fellowship in Jonesville Michigan several years ago from all of the state a handful of churches came in our direction one day and helped us put a roof on a humongous church building there were just a few of us who were in the church at the time, but we had this property to care for, a beautiful piece of property that was completely paid for. We were trying to maintain and keep spreading the gospel and grow the church, and we could not put a, put a roof on that building ourselves. But churches from around the state came together and helped us. There are strength in numbers. There is wisdom in working together and fellowshipping together encouraging one another. I will remember those individuals with great admiration when they came and gave us a whole day and working together we ended up actually having a couple professional roofing crews who came from other churches in the state brought their equipment and they said when they got off the roof we have never seen a roof go on any building so fast ever I praise God for that there is strength in the common bond of Jesus Christ so how do we become the kind of people who make a contribution to the body of Christ the church Specifically, I want to challenge you. How do we, Higgins Lake Baptist Church, become the kind of people who contribute to the unity and the strength and thereby the effectiveness of our God-given ministry here in the Higgins Lake area? How do we, as individuals, become a body of Christ? How do we grow together and mature and contribute to the unity and strength and effectiveness of this body of believers, this church, Higgins Lake Baptist Church. I believe we find the answer to that question in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I want you to go there with me. I think we see the answer to that question in the life of a fellow minister of Paul's. We find in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, we find here a man named Tychicus mentioned by Paul. And by Paul's description of Tychicus, we find the, the marks of a devoted minister. For Jesus Christ, I want you to see with me this morning as we look at these passages, the marks of devoted minister for Jesus Christ, which is what we all each ought to be, devoted ministers for Jesus Christ. He was Tychicus was an individual, certainly an individual, but he was responsible before God for whether he or or alone was obedient to God as an individual whether or not he was faithfully serving God as an individual. But God's plan to use obedient individuals depends on whether we will grow as individuals and then work together as individuals. Certainly, we are responsible as individuals before God. Tychicus was. And we are responsible before God as to whether we are growing or not. But his intention is to use us to work together to influence others for the gospel, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. Colossians 4. Tychicus, he says, Paul says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He'll tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. As we look at those verses this morning, I want you to think with me what are the marks of a devoted minister? And I want you to note that these marks of a devoted minister of Jesus Christ are necessary for the unity of the church. And the unity of the church is necessary if we want to accomplish anything, right? Could you imagine a team going out on the ball field, let's call let's say it's a football team, and they go out on the ball field, each individual person on the team with their own agenda you know one wants to run this way and one wants to throw the ball that way and one wants to block this guy the other one wants to block you know could you imagine what what confusion there would be if every member on that football team went out on the field and decided to go in his own direction instead of going where the coach told him to go when they called the play that they were supposed to run likewise the church needs unity to effectively minister for Jesus Christ in this community and we're going to address uh, the, the issue of unity and how the marks of a devoted minister contribute to unity. That's going to be an important uh, topic tonight as we come back to this passage. Uh, these marks of a devoted minister are necessary for our unity. And just to highlight and emphasize that point, listen to Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 15. It says, "For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity. For the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul, we get the reminder here in Galatians: hey, you need to serve one another as you serve Christ. You need to work together. You need, you need not bite and devour and fight. With one another. You had better get along and work together, otherwise, you'll devour yourselves and you'll be worthless. So, coming back to Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, we know that Paul is wrapping up as we get to this section beginning in verse 8. Paul is wrapping up this letter to the church at Colossae, and in his final remarks, he mentions several individuals by name. And these individuals com- uh, have committed themselves to Christ and to serving Christ and their faithfulness contributes to the unity of the church. Just stop with me for a moment and think. Will it be said of us when we're all gone that each of us contributed to the unity of the body of Christ here at Higgins Lake Baptist Church? Did we do our part to bring unity into this fellowship so we could accomplish something for the, for the name of Jesus Christ? I think these individuals that we're going to look at in the remaining verses in chapter 4 contributed to the unity contributed to the, to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ as did Tych- Tychicus there's a reminder here in and of itself that ministry is not done alone in the fact that Paul goes on beginning in verse 7 to mention several people by name who are a part of the work they're not alone they're working together we need one another and we must work together we must minister together but individually, we are responsible for our own spiritual lives. We are accountable to God as individuals as to whether or not we will be faithful and devoted ministers for Jesus Christ. So I want you to think with me about the marks of a devoted minister. The first one is this: The first mark of devoted minister of Jesus Christ is that he or she or the young person is available available. I want you to think about it. By implication, the first mark of a devoted minister is availability. You might go, well, yeah, that's obvious. You know, I mean he's there, right? They're serving. And Paul himself, as gifted by God as he was, never served alone. Paul was much more effective at spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the others who were with him serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Antichicus was one of them who was available. And Paul is wrapping up this letter to the church at Colossae and he's preparing to send this letter with Tychicus and Onesimus. We're going to see Onesimus next time, Lord willing. And Paul says that Tychicus will tell them about his activities. Now he's going to give them a first-hand account of of Paul's activities and and he can do so because Paul's activities were almost never done alone. He was with those who were available to serve and Tychicus was one of those. There is one time in Acts when Paul is in Athens for a very brief period of time and he is alone then. But but every other time we see Paul, he has others with him who are serving. And even though here, as he writes this letter to the Colossian church, even though here he is a prisoner, he is still not alone. There were those who were available who were willing to put their own lives at risk to identify with Paul to serve with him. And there are eight men mentioned by name in the remaining verses of Colossians 4, and each of them was a courageous associate of Paul's. They were available. We need each other to minister effectively. God never intended for us to do the work of ministry alone. The ministry by its very nature is one of continually seeking to make disciples, make followers of Jesus Christ, who will make themselves available and serve with one another, making other disciples of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that availability certainly means that some of those disciples must move on to other territories, other regions. But the, the intent of their moving on is so that they can raise up other disciples and make disciples who will make disciples of Jesus Christ. And they will serve in those new regions together with other believers. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through twelve that says says it this way very well two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they if they fall, one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. I think that's where that help I've fallen and I can't get up came from, right? verse 11 again if two lie together they keep warm but how can one keep warm alone and though a man might prevail against one who is alone two will withstand him a threefold cord is not quickly broken see a lot of things can stand in the way of of one individual But things begin to fall when two or three come together and begin to address an issue or a problem together in unity. You know, there are some things that we allow to keep us from being available. A lot of things could stand in our way, our own way of being available. It's easy to think of reasons why we can't help in in this part of the ministry or in that part of the ministry or do what God might be tugging on our hearts to do. We can think of lots of reasons, right? But the real work of ministry is accomplished by those who are available. A mark of a devoted minister for Jesus Christ, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, is first of all their availability. Will they say to the Lord, God, I want you to use me however you want me to use me. However you want to use me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm available. And there is great strength in the church, in the body of Christ, when it is filled with devoted ministers, devoted individuals who will work together with other individuals that are available. The second mark of a devoted minister for Jesus Christ, brotherly devotion. Brotherly devotion to fellow believers. Paul calls Tychicus a beloved brother. You see it? In verse 7, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother. He is, obviously, he's loved by Paul and I'm sure others in the church and it's because he has proved to be a brother just as a threefold cord is not easily broken neither are the bonds of brotherly devotion easily broken proverbs chapter 17 verse 17 reminds us that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity in other words a brother is there to help in times of adversity and it is generally true that brothers are devoted to one another brothers defend one another and sacrifice for one another. I know it's very true in my own life that my brothers have been there for me many times. It's not always true, is it? It's not always true in this fallen world that brothers are there for one another. But it is generally true that the devotion of brothers is very strong. It's been said that a friend is defined as someone who knows all about you and likes you just the same. <laughs> I, I, I think that that might just as well define what a brother is because I, I don't know of anyone who knows me more than people like my own family, right? Including my brothers and love me anyway, right? See, a brother is devoted to helping, to serving, to encouraging, to uplifting, to supporting and providing for. And if we're going to be devoted ministers for Christ in this community, then we had better learn to get along and serve together with a brotherly devotion that cannot be easily severed. Dennis J DeHaan writes, I have a friend named Nelson. We work together, play together, cry together, and often laugh together. Our friendship keeps growing. Recently, Nelson said he wanted me to conduct his funeral if he died before I did. I said, hold on, hold off on that request for a few years. I might disappoint you, and you might change your mind. Oh no, he quipped, that won't happen. You can't disappoint me any more than you already have. (laughs) We had a good laugh, but I began pondering his comment, isn't that what it means to be a true friend? Knowing that the disappointing side of a person's life, yet continuing to accept him. Solomon describes such a friend as one who sticks closer than a brother, one who loves at all times. We all need someone like that in our lives. You know, we need to be that person. We need to be that someone in the church. You know, come to think of it, there is no clearer definition of of brotherly devotion than the kind of love that Jesus offers each of us. We sang about it today. He will not turn us away for anything that we have done. In spite of what He knows about us, He loves us. He knows all about our sin. Yet He offers us salvation if we will confess our sin, if we will submit ourselves to His Lordship in our lives, and if we will trust in Him as our Lord and Savior. Brotherly devotion. Brotherly devotion a mark of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a devoted minister for Jesus Christ. The first one, we've seen these marks of devoted minister, are availability, right? The first one is availability. The second one, brotherly devotion to his brothers and sisters in Christ. Thirdly, a third mark of a devoted minister of Jesus Christ is faithfulness faithfulness to the work. Paul calls Tychicus a faithful minister in verse 7. You know, there's something powerful about the faithful service of a a devoted follower of Christ. And though we don't know how, how much Tychicus served. We do know something about him. We don't know completely about Tychicus. We, we see him mentioned five times in the New Testament. And poor Tychicus, it seems like every time he's mentioned, he's, he's being sent somewhere to help or sent somewhere to deliver a message. We really don't have any, anything written by him or preached by him in the New Testament, but we do have this. We have these reminders in the New Testament of his faithful testimony, his faithful ministry. He was a faithful servant. It's kind of like the story that's told of a pastor of a small rural church in Scotland. He'd been forced out by his elders who claimed that they saw no fruit from his ministry. It's said that the village which the pastor served was a very difficult place to minister. People's hearts were cold hostile to the truth. During the time the pastor served, there had been no conversions, no baptisms. But he did recall one positive response to his preaching. It's told that when the offering plate was passed during a service, a young boy placed the plate on the floor, stood up, and stepped into it. When asked to explain, he replied that he had been deeply touched by the minister's life And while he had no money to give, he wanted to give himself wholly to God. The boy who stepped into the plate was Bobby Moffat, who in 1817 became a pioneer missionary to South Africa. He was greatly used of God to touch many lives. And it all started with that small church and the faithful work of that unappreciated pastor. Faithfulness. 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 God requires faithfulness. Do you realize that that is the requirement? It's not productivity. It's not how many Christians can you crank out, right? How many widgets can you produce as a Christian? Right? It's faithfulness. Paul says it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 in the NIV, it says it this way. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. And as those entrusted with the secret things of God, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. See, followers of Christ have been given a trust. That's you and me. We've been given a trust. And we're to live and speak the ministry of Christ to make Him known in how, in how we live, and how we speak. And in, in that trust... We are to be faithful, never wavering from the truth, never never wavering from that trust that has been given us to, to teach and preach and live the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithfulness. Followers of Christ have been given a trust to live and speak that mystery of Christ. To make Him known in how they live and speak. And in that trust, we are to be consistent and faithful day in and day out, week in and week out, year after year, faithful. The devoted minister of Christ will be marked by availability. It will be marked by brotherly devotion. It will be marked by faithfulness. And fourthly, we'll have an attitude of servanthood to Christ. fourth mark of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a devoted minister for Jesus Christ, will be an attitude of servanthood to Christ. Paul says in verse 7 of Tychicus that he is a fellow servant in the Lord. Paul and Tychicus were equals. You need to know that they were equals at the foot of the cross of Christ. Paul and Tychicus were equals in Christ. Paul may have been writing the letters and Tychicus delivering the letters, but they were both servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were equals in Christ. You and I are equals in Christ. We serve together. That's the way it's supposed to be. Paul and Tychicus and the others we're going to see in the remaining verses in chapter 4, they worked together. They were unified for the common purpose of spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our purpose as a church. Now Tychicus had, had willingly surrendered himself to serving Christ. He was not forced into service. He was available. He was ministering with brotherly devotion and faithfulness to the Lord with a servant attitude. One who says, I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what it takes, even if it means what I do is I run errands and I deliver letters. I'm going to be faithful about that task that God has given me. The devoted minister for Christ is faithful. And he serves with a servanthood attitude. One who says, I'll serve Christ with my life. Certainly, we can gather from Paul's kind words for him that Tychicus was not serving with the wrong attitude, right? He wasn't serving with the wrong attitude. He wasn't serving out of obligation in drudgery. Okay, I'll give me the letter. Hurry it up. Come on. I'll take it. I'll make sure it gets there. Boy, I tell you, this is all I do around here, right? No, that's not the attitude we get from Tychicus, is it? Paul says he's a fellow servant. He's a faithful brother. He's a fellow servant. He wasn't serving out of obligation in drudgery. He was serving for the joy of ministering for the cause of Christ. Does that drive you to serve? For the joy? For the joy of serving Jesus Christ, you realize what a privilege it is to serve our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What an enormous privilege. You and I ought to serve for simply the joy of serving. I believe that's why Tychicus was willing to be an errand boy for the joy of serving. And that points us to the fifth mark of a devoted minister of Christ, the devoted minister of a devoted follower of Christ is also an encourager see those who are impacted by the joy of serving Christ will impact others with that joy see serve with the wrong attitude and you will discourage others serve with the right attitude and you will encourage others in your service look at colossians 4:8 again paul says I have sent Him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that, you may, that, that He may encourage your hearts. That He may encourage your hearts. William Arthur Ward writes, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. I'm not sure that's the right attitude, is it? Fourthly, he says, Encourage me and I'll not forget you. It's true, isn't it? Tychicus is coming, says Paul, to give you updates about the work here and he will encourage you. How great a ministry! The ministry of encouragement. You know, I trust that each one of us would realize that God has called us in one way, shape, or form to be an encourager to someone else. Encourage me and I'll not forget you, as Ward says. It's true, I think. I often joke... um, seriously, though, that I, I have a hard time remembering a lot of things from my childhood. It, it amazes me how people go, I remember when I did this, and I was you know real little, and things like I hardly remember anything, but there are some things that do stick in my mind. There are just a couple of things that I remember very vividly, strangely enough. There was a time when I was in the first grade, and I remember sitting on the steps uh, that led into the back of my grade school. The playground was in front of me, and I I remember sitting there because uh, kids on the playground were being kids. They were being mean, you know, and and, um, saying mean things. And I was a baby, right? I I should have just bucked it up and, you know, just taken it, right? But I was sitting there moping on the back steps, and I'm just joking about that, right? But they were being mean to me, and I was sensitive, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm moping on the back steps. And, And it's funny that I don't remember the words that were said to me that day, the mean words. I don't remember them at all. Uh, what I do remember is that a young lady, a teacher, came over and sat down beside me on those steps. I don't know who the teacher was. I don't remember ever seeing her before. I don't remember seeing her after. I was in that school for a couple of years before we moved to another area. My dad, pastoring little churches, tend to move around. When he'd get them going, he'd go find another church, and we'd move. And so I was in that school a couple of years. Maybe that's why I can't remember my childhood. Moving all over the place, you know. I don't remember the, the the mean words. That's interesting, isn't it? I remember the kind words of that young lady who came and sat beside me and said nice things to me, saw that I was, you know, moping, discouraged, whatever, and said a few words to me. I remember the words. Encourage me and I'll not forget you, right? May these be the marks of your devotion to Christ may these be the marks of my devotion to Christ availability are you available to serve wherever God would have you serve in whatever shape, way or form he would have you serve Are you devoted to your brothers and sisters in Christ with a, with a brotherly devotion? Are you devoted to one another? Are you faithful to the work that God has given you? Are you willing to be faithful no matter what? Is your attitude an attitude of servanthood to Christ? We serve Christ. We don't serve one another so much as we serve Christ. Yes, we are to minister to one another, encourage and build up and serve one another in that way, but we serve Christ. That's why we exist. And your encouragement of one another. How greatly encouraged I am by your faithfulness. Can I encourage you with that? How greatly encouraged I am by your faithfulness. Yours and many like you who encourage me, who encourage your leadership, in this fellowship of believers, that you are faithful. I am greatly encouraged by your faithfulness through the years as followers of Christ. I and many others are encouraged by the faithfulness of those who teach Sunday school faithfully. Year after year, faithfully giving of themselves to teach youngsters the gospel truths that they need to hear. I am so thankful for those who teach in our junior church time That's going on right now those who have given of themselves for several years to a giving of themselves for a whole week and leading up to that much time and energy and vacation Bible school and giving, giving of themselves faithfully the community cookout that we organized last summer those who gave of themselves to minister in that way how encouraging that is to me those who are organizers, those who are cleaners, the custodians, and those who are helpers and assist in any way that they can help, those who plan activities, and those who serve as deacons, those who serve as trustees and helpers in so many ways. How greatly you encourage me. How greatly you encourage each other. May these be the marks of our devotion to Christ availability. Brotherly devotion to one another. Faithfulness. Faithfulness day by day, week by week, year by year, as long as the Lord tarries. Faithfulness. An attitude of servanthood for Christ and our encouragement of one another. I trust that's your desire. We are most effective for Christ when we are working together. And these marks are true of our lives. Pray with me. Father in Heaven, we come before You this morning asking, asking for Your wisdom, asking for Your direction, Your strength, Your encouragement, Your boldness, Lord, we pray that your faithfulness would encourage our faithfulness. Lord, we, we pray that that your servanthood would encourage and motivate our servanthood. And Lord, may may we encourage one another. Encourage one another in the way that we, we serve, in the words that we speak, in the actions that we take in our service. Lord help us to never forget we've got to step up and into the open and say Lord I'm available please use me and I am devoted in brotherly love to my brothers and sisters in Christ to be unified as a body of believers to work together for the common cause the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ Lord help us Give us your strength and wisdom in the days ahead as long as you choose to be patient with this world. Help us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ making these marks of devoted followers and ministers of Jesus Christ true of our lives. Make them so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.